Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. You wake up and it's the first ice of the year, but you didn't give yourself time to scrape your windows. While rushing to find the ice scraper, you bump the trunk of your car and spill your coffee. You run inside to change only to remember that tonight is laundry night and you don't have any more clean clothes. All of this on the day that you have your annual performance review first thing in the morning. Now, going to work isn't a thing that we do right now, but we have other stressors in our life right now. Stress comes from lots of places. It can be sudden problems that arise on an important day that tend to compound or even be insidious, slowly growing without us knowing about it. It's inevitable. You will experience stress. How you handle it is what counts. In this episode, we're going to look at understanding how your body responds to stress, what you can do to prepare before you're in a stressful situation, and some things that you can do in the moment to reduce your stress reaction. But before we get started, Will, What's been stressing you out this week? Well, I think we talked about it either the previous episode or the one before that, where I was I was kind of frustrated because this whole COVID thing has me feeling like I'm trying to walk and somebody's stepping on my feet at random intervals. Mm-hmm. And I finally started realizing, like, I have let my systems kind of go to waste as far as, like, the way I was tracking what I need to get done and, you know, keeping all my notes and everything else since COVID started, really. I mean, that's been falling apart. And I finally realized, I was like, you know, I'm doing this like across multiple systems. I'm not, I'm not keeping organized. And so I went and I actually bought a new Samsung tablet and got, you know, Evernote on there. I got my Todoist app. I've got a, you know, I got Pomo done, which is a Pomodoro timer that ties into Todoist. I got all my, you know, various apps and stuff on there so that I can actually have a thing that's not a Windows machine that can get screwed up. It's right here. And so when I'm switching machines, it's it's always right there in the room. It's right next to me. And I can work off of that as far as like, here's what I got to do. And I've been getting everything kind of organized. And dude, I feel so much better. Nice. Yeah, because the, the old tablet, I didn't think about it too much, but I was like, man, everything's bad on here. Like I can't get Todoist at all. I can't get Palma done. Evernote still doesn't have a dark theme. And this is an Android tablet. And I'm like, how old is this tablet? And I finally realized, I'm like, wait, I bought this in January 2014. Oh, yeah. What am I doing? (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm I'm actually reprovisioning that other tablet uh, for my daughter. And then I'll, you know, I have my new one. So that's pretty nice. I spent a lot of quality time working on the website. The last two weeks, I have taken Friday off. I mean, actually, I need to put a time in request or time in, time off request in today so that I can get off this Friday. Because basically what I do is I get up on Friday mornings and instead of going to work, I come down here and I start working on the podcast site. And so when you start, you know, 530 in the morning, you know, and you just go until five, six o'clock at night, just going, you know, full throttle, barely taking a break, you can get a lot done. And I think the stuff I reported to you shows that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we started a little bit after five with him going and I'm like, yeah, there's plenty of time for him to show me everything. And it's 
like bumping up to 5.30 and I'm like, uh, dude, we got to get started because I told the Patreon members what time to show up and we're going to bump into their time for the aftercast. So, yeah. So, like I said, you know, two weeks of me doing that. I mean, that was 16 hours of work. Plus, um, I also figured out that if I get my podcast outline and my Russian homework done during the week before I do that, that those things don't break in on me dealing with you know, working on the podcast site and I could just keep going because when I get interrupted, it slows me down, right? Yeah. And so that gets rid of that interruption. And so, yeah, I've been just nuking it the last two weeks. It's been That's great. Cool, man. So how about you? So uh, last Saturday, I was production lead for the morning prayer service at church. Our production lead, our team lead is back, but she wanted to observe the leaders on the team, like how we work without her there like she could watch the stream but she kind of wanted to be there and see like the in-person and all that so i was lead again so she could observe us it was cool the worship set included one of the songs that i'm learning for trying out for the worship team but they'd made some changes like they added a tag to it from another song and it like it sounds really cool i love what they did to it but it was different and so when I'm lead, I listen to the song a few times to get the dynamics and I take notes on it for when I'm calling shots for the cameras. After listening a couple of times, I'm like, man, it seems, do they like lower the tempo? Like, is it just slower? And I even mentioned it to one of my friends. She plays guitar. She was playing guitar that day. And it's a rather fast song. So as part of learning it, when I first started learning, I was like, yeah, the chords are pretty easy, but it's just, it's, you know, a fast rhythm. And I was having trouble keeping up. So I just, I stopped trying to play along with the recording and I would just like play it as fast as I could. And like the next time I played a little bit faster and a little bit faster to bump up my speed. And I've been doing this for several months and yeah, I've been practicing that song quite a bit faster than the actual one. I, after the service, I went back and listened to the original recording that I had uh, started learning from. And I'm like, yep. Which that's really cool because like I'm playing along with the recording and I'm just like, wow, it's so slow. Like I've got all this time to change chords and do all this stuff. And it's just like really cool because I remember when I first started, I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to keep up with this thing? <laughs> so that, that was cool. Then other uh, cool news. I made chili for a small group yesterday. That was fun. Personally, I find chili to be an art form. I was telling Will about this before we rec uh, started recording. I love making it. I don't so much have a recipe as I have uh, flavors that I paint onto the canvas that is the slow cooker. Yep. Speaking of which, I bought a new slow cooker just for this because I needed a bigger one and I was going to borrow one from Amanda or my mom. And when I was at the store, I thought, you know what? How much are these? Because I've had mine forever. Yeah, they're not that expensive. <laughs> yeah. So I went over and, you know, like one the size I wanted, 20 bucks. And then I saw one that had clamps that go over the lid so that you can like... Yeah, it comes up over like the little, the stubs that come up on the yeah. side. That's the same one I've got. 
Yeah. Looks like uh, a champ. Uh, the Was it Hamilton Beach? Yes. Is the brand? Yeah, yeah. So 35 bucks. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting this. Totally getting this. And it was phenomenal. I will say this. The chili was a bit of a challenge because normally when I make chili, I just make it to taste because I'm usually making it for myself or for myself and Amanda. And she likes stuff even hotter than I do. So yeah. I'll make it to what I like and then she can add to it. Well, because it was for a group with church, I made it, I had to make it mild, but I also wanted to keep all the flavor that I get from the peppers. So I traded my normal jalapenos for poblanos. Then I took the jalapenos and the other peppers that I was going to put in there and made a spicy relish for the people who wanted to add heat to it. Amanda told me she really liked it. And so now, like, I just made that with what I had on hand at home when I realized, hey, I need to not make this too spicy. And I need to make something for the people who want it spicier. So I'm going to have to play around with that. Maybe next time I have have people over for a, a cookout or something and make some spicy relish. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, if you get bored sometime, try putting a gochujang paste in there, the Korean hot paste. Mm-hmm. That bumps up the flavor a notch, too. I've been sneaking that in some chili that I've made of late, and it is quite tasty. Mm. That's a second time Korea's come up today. I was uh, telling one of my coworkers, I was trying to play music during a Teams meeting today because we've recently switched to Teams. And a friend of mine at church told me about how there's a feature where you can play the audio from your computer. And so like I could have Spotify on and play and have them hear my Spotify. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I can do this during our, like we're just doing a requirements thing. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I kept trying and trying. Of course, the feature is not available on Mac yet. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, it is a Microsoft product on a Mac. So but yeah, they hadn't figured out how to crash the OS yet. That's why. Yeah. But uh, got to have that you know, crash the OS code in there. I let it slip to to my coworker and he decided to, I don't know if he was wanting to listen to this or wanting to mess with me, but he played some K-pop and <laughs> I was not a fan of what he played. Yeah. In general, I'm not a fan of pop music, but he was explaining something about a video game to me and then showed a video from the music he was playing but I was just like oh man and so then I tell my friend from church about it and she's like well, what What was he playing I'm like I don't know it was repetitive pop it music was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like well hey there's there's also K-rock and sometimes it gets lumped in with K-pop but it's really good so I'm like All right, I'll give it a try so I you know, Googled K-Rock, which is a radio station too, by the way, but I found Korean rock. Dude, that's pretty good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. It's not English. So it's rock music you can listen to while coding. Yeah, where you're not like focused on the words. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm I'm gonna have to give this a try. That was really cool. So... Yeah. Speaking of being really cool, you can take your financial confidence to the next level. 
Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach serving tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning, and he does this virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning, just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, believes in the importance of having a real plan and taking action so that you can live your best life. Yeah, a lot of times people think that they're too young or they don't have enough investments to actually work with a financial planner. But Level Up has a unique pricing model that allows you to pay monthly and without requiring investment management. So there's no reason to wait to feel confident about your financial decisions. Best of all, Lucas and Level Up is a fiduciary for his clients. And what this means is that he requires him to act in his client's best interests. A lot of times, financial planners are kind of glorified salesmen. That's not Lucas at all. You pretty much only pay as long as you're getting value. And when you're not getting value, you stop paying. And he's got more resources and stuff that you can learn at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Guys, stress leads to mistakes, increases in bug reports, and pull requests not being accepted. When under stress, we don't perform at our optimum. We tend to focus too much on the problem and not how to solve it or what to do to reduce the issue if it can't be solved right away. Times of high stress, people tend to regress to behaviors that were used in childhood when facing an emotional threat. For some people, this may be running and hiding under the bed, whereas for others, it means getting defensive and arguing. The uninitiated, the ability to stay calm in stressful situations appears as an inborn trait that only a select group of people possess. However, science, specifically the science of the brain, has shown evidence that remaining calm under pressure is a skill that can be learned. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can learn these skills and what you can do to help reduce your stress. We've broken the episode down into three topics. First, we'll discuss understanding your response to stress. Then we'll talk about things you can do to prepare yourself before you get into a stressful situation. And finally, we'll go over what you can do in the moment to help reduce stress and stay calm in the stressful situation. So the first part is obviously understanding your stress response. And this boils down to, do you fight or do you flight? When under stress, our bodies go into an acute stress response, which is called the flight or fight reflex. You hear different variations of this. This is a physiological reaction to a perceived threat, which is real or not, that involves the sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. Yeah. And you hear it different ways because Will doesn't know how to read. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what happened. I was just going to let that go. But <laughs> oh, I, you know, I'm not going to. Um, I know. <laughs> no, actually, I, I purposely wrote it the same way all throughout this episode just to make life easier on us. So, yeah, so we wouldn't get because <laughs> uh, it was only a matter of time before one of us got it back. Yeah. And thankfully, it was me. And it was the second time it was written out. <laughs> So, got that out of the way. I feel better. Yeah, yeah. So, your autonomic nervous system is broken down. Most people know it as broken down into two parts, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. 
The sympathetic is the part, the fight or flight response. It is what ramps you up when danger is there. It gets you ready for action. Some physical symptoms of this acute stress response or fight or flight uh, can include dilated pupils, tunnel vision, dry eyes, pale or flushed skin, sweating, increased heart rate, quick, shallow breathing, dry mouth, and muscle tension. Emotional manifestations include, but are not limited to, fear, anxiety, and aggression. When under stress, people have shorter fuses and tend to react rather than respond. Since many times these reactions are not appropriate for the stress, you know, especially when you start looking at the situation that you're in, you know, for instance, public speaking, the body doesn't get a release and can end up in a feedback loop that creates chronic issues such as depression, heart disease, GI disorders, and lots of other fun stuff due to sustained stress response. Yeah. So what happens is you get this situation where your body responds and we'll talk in just a moment about what happens inside the body, but where your body responds to a stressful stimuli, to a perceived threat. And the reason we're saying perceived is, you know, somebody might be saying, well, that's not really actually a threat. You know, they're not actually going to do anything. That doesn't matter. The response happens if you perceive it as a threat. Because what's happening is the way it's designed, and this is this is good. You want these things to happen. They're preparing you for something bad. When it becomes an issue is when you don't get that release, uh, like in a business situation or like public speaking is the big one here, you know, that a lot of people, it stresses them out. And then you don't have like, you get up and you speak and then it's over with and you're like, all right, well, I didn't have to run. I didn't have to do anything. Like I've heard of people who will do jumping jacks and then sit and do breathing techniques before they get up and speak. Because what they do is they get their body into like that action that raises their heart rate to what they feel like it should be. And then they use like these meditation and breathing techniques to calm themselves back down. And that gets them like that triggers the other side, which is the parasympathetic nervous system to kick in and it calms them down. And then they get up in front of people and they're calm. They're ready to go. We'll talk a little bit more about this kind of stuff when we get to the third section about what to do in the moment. Next, we're going to talk about understanding the biochemistry behind stressful feelings. So a little med school for you guys, basically. And he promises not to go full med student. <laughs> you never go full med student. I'll try not to at least, you know. Yeah. No, we honestly, guys, we've actually updated the way we're doing our outlines. And I was very careful not to go too deep on this. So <laughs> high level stuff, just explaining kind of the process that it goes through. So the human body is a system of checks and balances that regulates itself through feedback loops. Long-term stress can create um, or it can occur because of dysregulation of the system that is designed to prepare you for dealing with dangerous situations. What we were just talking about, that sympathetic nervous system, 
that acute stress response that, hey, I got to defend myself or I got to get out of here. I got to do something like something bad's about to happen. Let's get ready. Let's go. And that is good when we need it. The problem is when it stays too long or when it's not helpful. So you get into the physiological aspects. Uh, Your amygdala is the part of the brain that recognizes danger and releases hormones that tell the hypothalamus to get ready. Yeah. Now, the hypothalamus then signals the pituitary gland to release hormones that then have the adrenal gland, which sits on top of the kidneys, to release cortisol. Yeah. So you like how I had uh, Will explain all that to you guys? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Cortisol. So really, you know, if like we did a flow chart, you just engaged my adrenals. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was going <laughs> what you for. Just did. So guys, cortisol gets a bad rap. A lot of people call it the stress hormone. In reality, it's overstimulation of the adrenal glands or too much cortisol that is the problem. And some of the stuff, because I, I did some research as I was writing this outline, some of the stuff I read, like one thing was like, Cortisol is like a neurological lubricant because it gets you ready to act. And, you know, in the right amounts, it does a lot of good things. It can help to regulate your blood pressure, reduce inflammation, help to regulate your pancreas, which regulates your blood sugar, and give you a boost of energy when you need it. So it's not like people think, oh, cortisol is bad. And I forget, I don't know if they're still out there, but there used to be these commercials for some like fat pill, like this like fat busting pill that's like, you know, this is like cortisol is bad and it causes you to gain this weight in this way. And like it just like everybody's like just, you know, hating on cortisol. And it's like, guys, it does a lot of good stuff. It's when it gets too much of it or it stays around too long that it becomes a problem. Right. So when you're going through these, when you get stressed, when you have stressful feelings, stressful emotions, to help understand them and put yourself in the right mindset, you need to label the emotions you're feeling. Right. So in order to avoid a reaction that can get you into trouble or issues with chronic stress, you need to break the feedback loop that is sustaining the stress. And psychological and neurological research has found that labeling emotions takes the stress-inducing anxiety out of them and actually reduces the amount of stress hormones produced. Yeah. What you do here is you give your emotions a name, a label. You say, this is fear. This is what I'm going through. You know, this is anxiety. I am feeling anxious about this. You would be amazed how relaxing really it can be when you are very anxious and you go, you know what? I'm anxious. That's interesting. Because it's like, well, because you're separating from it. Yeah. It's not like I have this feeling. It's like almost stepping out of yourself and going, I'm anxious. Wonder what's causing me to be anxious. We'll get into that in just a minute. You know, it kind of like gives you back control because you're going to have the feelings, you're going to have the emotions, but by naming them and labeling and 
knowing what they are and what's going on, then you're like, all right, yeah, I'm feeling this. I'm in control, though. I know what's going on. Yeah. I guess that helps you, too, as far as like figuring out what the stressors are. Yeah. Because you're going, hey, this is the thing causing, you know, I feel stress. Mm -hmm. What's causing that? Exactly. Versus just, oh, this is the way I am. Yeah. So, as you guys know, I have irritable bowel syndrome. And the medicine I take, uh, it's called dicyclamine. It works on neurotransmitters. Basically, it's designed to relax the smooth muscle. So it works on the autonomic nervous system. And one of the side effects is sometimes it can cause me to feel, have the same like physiological reactions as anxiety and stress, like the dry mouth, the tightness in the chest, those kind of things are something that, and it's funny because it's not every time I take the medicine. It's usually if I have an issue that has, I have to take it like over longer period of time, like over a day or two rather than, oh yeah, hey, I'm feeling some discomfort. I'm going to take a pill. I'm better move on. If it's like, oh, well, this is lasting kind of a longer time, so I need to take over the course of a day or two, I'll start to notice that. And the first few times it happened, I'm like, why am I so anxious? This is like freaking me out. And then I realized, like I I looked up the side effects and I realized, oh my goodness, it's the medicine. And I will tell you, it's crazy. Like now when I take the medicine and I get those side effects, I don't feel anxious at all. I'm like, well, this is annoying. You know, I'm drinking a lot of water, which is going to mean I'm going to have to go to the bathroom later. So I kind of plan around that, you know. Thanks for the medical report. You're welcome. Well, no, like literally (laughs) sometimes it's like I'll wake up on Sunday morning and my stomach's upset. I'm like, all right, so I plan what time I take the medicine so that I'll get the dry mouth about an hour before church service so that I'll go to the bathroom right before church service. Like, you can time it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's that's pretty awful. Uh, I mean, like, I remember having to do that with some of the medicine I was on in high school. And it's, you know, like, you know, I guess it's the thing of, you know, naming the stress and being able to go, okay, when do I want to feel awful? Yeah. It's pretty helpful to be able to do that. So the next thing we have is that you can see stress as a way to highlight your values. Another thing that stress can do is to show you where you place your values or what's important to you. You know, Will was talking about like you can use the symptoms to find out what the stressor is. We can use the stress to find out what's important to you. Right. So if something's not important, you're not going to be stressed about making sure it goes well. But if you do care about something, you know, like your career, for instance, then you're probably going to stress about giving a presentation at work, for instance, Mm -hmm. because it matters to something you care about. Yeah. When you experience the signs and symptoms of a stress reaction, once you've labeled the emotions and know kind of what's going on, ask yourself, what is your body trying to tell you or what is it about the situation that you put value in and that you're worried about going wrong? 
knowing this about stress can not only help you identify areas of value, but also help you to know when you may have stressful events coming up so that you don't overload them. And so the example Beach used here is if you've got a date that you really care about, maybe don't schedule that, you know, especially a first date the night before a job interview. Like don't stack stressors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. I had an odd situation happen where the job interview for my first development job, I've been interviewing for a while, but I'm on my way there and I found out my dad had fallen and broken his hip. I get there and the recruiter who's supposed to walk me into this secure building, her car broke down. And I'm just like, you know, I could let this stress me out or I can just go, you know, this isn't even in the industry I'm interested in because I hadn't thought about that industry at all. And I'm like, this isn't the industry I'm interested in. I'm just going to treat it as a practice and go for it and just go in there, learn something from it. That took the stress off because I'm like, all right, now I know what it is I care about. I took that away and I didn't have the stress. I go in there and I rocked the interview and got the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, it's just, and that's usually the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, now that we've talked about understanding your stress and your response to it, we're going to talk about some things that you can do ahead of time, some ways that you can prepare yourself for stressful situations. Because like we said, stress is going to happen. Yeah. And the first one is to take care of your body. Your environment is one of the biggest variables in determining behavior. You know, different environments are set up for different types of success, and you don't go to a NASCAR race to try and study biochem, just like you wouldn't go to a library to practice skillet songs on your guitar, <laughs> right? And your body's essentially your environment. So what are you trying to do with it? Yeah. I mean, I wrote this because I thought I was going to read this point. And then when Will read it, I was like, oh, whoops, I'm like taking a sip of my beer going, oh yeah, I was supposed to read this one. So in a, a more Will Example, you don't go to the Vietnamese restaurant and talk to the staff to practice your Russian. Right. You know, or the Chinese restaurant. Were you there that day? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> but the waitress was like talking to us about different foreign languages for some reason and was like trying. No, it was Ewing. Yeah, it probably was. And was like trying to teach him some Chinese words. <laughs> And it was just not happening. <laughs> what is it with him and waitresses? I don't know. It's like you. It's very strange. It's so funny. It's like they just think he is the sweetest guy. It is like. It, it's very strange because, I mean, and he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it either because he'll just be sitting there. He's like, what's what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. All right. So yeah, we like gone to lunch and we were supposed to talk to each other. And, you know, it's like him talking to the waitress. I'm like. You know, I'm all for yeah. it. <laughs> so, guys, your body is the immediate environment of your brain. So you want to create an internal environment that promotes healthy responses to stress. To prepare your body, you need to look at a few things. You need to look at what you put in it, what you put out, and how you recuperate. And Will's making a face, but he hasn't read the whole point. So... You know, you are what you eat is the cliche that we've always heard, but what you eat does affect who you are and it can even really affect how you respond to stress. So like if you're eating a bunch of junk food, 
like I was for a good bit of the summer just because of all the, the COVID mess and my work schedule. You know, I, I ate a lot more fast food than I should have. And I could definitely tell a difference in my stress response. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was going through the divorce and learning to code and I was coming over to your place and we were recording the podcast. I would get, I would stop at McDonald's. Cause it was the only thing on the way out. Yeah. I would stop there and get food to, to drive an hour and a half away to where I was living at the time. And yeah, I mean, you look at me now, I'm not as big as I was then, but I'm still not super healthy. I'm getting better about it, but I don't really eat a lot of fast food. I don't eat as healthy as I should, but I don't eat a lot of fast food and I notice it. And I'll tell you who really notices when I've been eating healthier, not because like of my physical, but because of my emotional and like the way I handle stress. And that's Amanda. Yeah. I can tell too, <laughs> you know, like we're, we talk on camera and just like the, your posture changes mm-hmm. when you've been eating rough. Yeah. Essentially. Like I'm, I don't know. It's like you get like this shrimp like bend in your back almost. It's you're forward on the camera. Yeah. Is what I've noticed. And I'm sure I do it too. It's just I do notice that with you. So it's definitely a real thing and it's something that you really need to be paying attention to. You know, basically your body is your brain's environment. Yeah. And so when you put stuff in there, it is going to affect your brain. Mm-hmm. Exercise reduces stress. Bottom line here. There's no way around it. Being active is going to you like set you up so that you handle stressful situations better. Honestly, guys, I, I was going to quote some research or point that out, but there is so much out there that it's like there's just it does. You know, a lot of people think they are too stressed or have too much going on or too much to do to actually get exercise. However, making the time to get some activity in each day, it doesn't even have to be much, like just 20 to 30 minutes of activity in the middle of the day, especially, but like a day can make a difference and it'll reduce your stress and anxiety so that you're better able to focus during your working hours. So I've been trying to to work out my schedule so that I have time for everything, including getting to go to the gym. And I realized when I had the best, what I was doing best at this was when I was taking the class, the in-person class at MTSU last year. And I had to like take a long lunch break and like work weird hours. Like my boss let me do it for school, but since I was already out and about, I was like, all right, I'll just add 30 minutes and run to the gym, you know, after class. I realized that was like the best, like I need to do something during lunch. Yeah. And trying to go to the gym, I was doing really well with it before COVID because I could go to the gym, get done, shower, and then go do whatever I was going to do. But since COVID, the gym has closed their showers. So like you can come in, you can change and work out, but you can't take a shower there. 
because I'd have to like clean them. And it's just, I understand why. It's just, I live so far out of town that it's like, yeah, that's a lot of riding in the car with your own stank. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. So, well, it's not so much that. It's just that like, if I go, like I get off work at four, I go to the gym I get there at 4.30. I work out for an hour. It's 5.30. I go home, shower, and leave again. You know, it's like 7 o'clock before I can get anywhere. Yeah. And so, whereas if I could shower at the gym, I could be somewhere by 5.36. So, I was like, all right, got to find a better way to do this. And last week, I started, our VPN went down, and I'm like, well, I just finished building something and I can't test it because the VPN's down. I'm like catching up on emails and stuff like that. I was like, hey, wait, I'm just going to play around with my schedule. And I'm like, what happens if I stretch my day a little bit and give myself a two-hour lunch break? Because that's enough time to run to the gym, work out, and come home. Yeah. And like make something like a sandwich and eat while I'm working. And so I did that. I'm like, hey, this actually opens up more space because it put my morning and afternoon activities like just outside of normal business hours. And so I opened up more space for things. So I sent my boss a message. I'm like, hey, so here's what I did just to see what would happen. And it actually gives like two or three more hours a week that I'm just sort of open for meetings and stuff. And I still get all the same dev time in just because of the way it stretched out my schedule and the, the timing of stuff. And he's like, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's always good when you get a boss that's like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, that's been helpful for me with my boss as well, because it's just like, I think I might shift my schedule or, you know, I might do this thing. And he's like, why are you telling me? Yeah. <laughs> like, go do it. Yeah. Makes an improvement. Well, the, the big thing is I wanted to let him know that, Hey, I want like for two hours of the day, I'm going to be away. Yeah. You know, and he was cool with it. So that was good. Another thing in the mix here is how you sleep. And that's actually more important than how much you sleep. You know, eight hours is a recommendation that's based on average sleep patterns. However, some people need more or less. I get by now on about six and a half hours of sleep a night, and it's totally fine. Like if I try to go to bed earlier, I'll go to sleep just fine, but I'll wake up early. I don't have that problem. If I try to go to bed early, I will lay awake and stare at the ceiling and then like fall asleep at my normal time. But I have trouble falling asleep, trouble waking up. I know some people. Yeah, I don't have trouble with either. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea here is to get the most out of the sleep by maximizing your time in deep sleep or REM. Have you seen all the stuff recently with COVID? I know this is a slight digression, but have you seen all the stuff where people are actually having more vivid dreams and stuff because their sleep schedule has changed in a lot of ways has become more healthy? Yeah because people are having more time to sleep without the commute. Mm -hmm. You know, people are weirded out by basically going back to normal. I know. No. (laughs) No. So guys, the next thing that you need to do to help prepare yourself is to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. 
Gratitude means having a readiness or willingness to thank someone, return a kindness, or show appreciation. Research by Robert Emmons of the University of California, Davis, found that practicing gratitude significantly reduced levels of cortisol, some by up to even 23% of previous levels, which is pretty substantial. Yeah. And this is another thing I've actually gotten in the mix here lately is gratitude. So like I wrote an email to an author who really helped me out like 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. reading his book, and he apparently just moved to Crossville. Yeah. And so we're going to go get lunch here in a little while. And it was, you know, that was good for me. And it was, I think, helpful for him. And it's really amazing what a little bit of gratitude can do for you. You and I personally know a few authors. I mean, you are one, but, you know. Theoretically. We know a few well-known authors and it amazes me. I remember I sent an email to Ellie Modesit Jr.'s website asking about his books, Time God's World, because there wasn't an audio version of it and I wanted to listen to it while I was driving. And so I sent an email there and he wrote back himself. Yeah. And he was like, this is like my least popular book. This is really cool that you like it. He's like, you know, my other books are very popular and we've got audio versions of those. I was like, oh, this is my favorite. Like, this is my favorite two books that you've written. And it just like, it meant the world to him. And like, we talked back and forth for a little while. It was really cool. And like, I don't know, just when you said that, that just made me think, you know, Reaching out to an author, they're just so nice. When I met Terry Goodkind, super friendly guy. Yeah. I was sad to hear about his passing a while back. So guys, another study, again in California, this one was at UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center. That's a mouthful. And they found increased levels of mood-elevating neurotransmitters, such as serotonin and dopamine, when subjects practiced gratitude. So what this is saying, and the reason I put both of these in here is that not only does the act of gratitude reduce the stress, but it elevates mood. And so having an attitude of gratitude means turning this willingness, turning that like desire to thank someone or to show appreciation into a regular habit. You know, we've got episodes about making positive habits and it's a like cultivating this attitude of gratitude is creating a habit of gratitude. Yeah, I think that's almost like naming the stress. Mm -hmm. It's just the other side of it. You're naming the upside so that you can recognize that it's there. Yeah. And that's kind of what this does. And you start working towards this habit. Or one good way to do this is to spend some time each day writing in a gratitude journal the things that you're thankful for that particular day. I mean, we do this as Americans around this time of year. I'm trying to remember. So this episode actually comes out on Thanksgiving Day. You know, what other cultures do. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I put that in there. I I wasn't going to mention it until now. But yeah, this episode is our Thanksgiving episode. So Let's be honest, guys. You're probably not listening to it on Thanksgiving Day. If you're here in the United States, you're eating some turkey. Yeah. But if you're in the U.S., you probably just participated in this. And or over-participated because that's the other thing we do at Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Then you're probably listening to this while out shopping on Black Friday. 
I personally, which I am not. Yes. <laughs> so, guys, the the last thing we're going to talk about under preparing ahead of time is to train your mind. Just like you can train your muscles for you know, by lifting weights, you can train your mind through meditation. Yeah, and it's more than just sitting cross-legged and saying "Om." Meditation can involve active imagery, progressive relaxation, breath awareness, and even body movement such as yoga or Tai Chi. You know, the other thing here too is actually train yourself to handle stress, like visualize stress and then get out of it. Mm -hmm. Pavel Tatsalini actually talks about this um, in some of the kettlebell stuff is like tensing yourself up and then letting it relax where you get in the habit of, okay, I'm tense and then dropping it. That's progressive relaxation. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that was called that, but that is super duper helpful. Yeah. That was my first introduction to meditation before I even met you and the group you introduced me to when, when we were doing martial arts together. Yeah. So it's really neat. Training your mind improves your vagal tone or what it does. It strengthens the vagus nerve, which is part of the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. This is the part that works opposite of the sympathetic or the fight or flight. It's colloquially known as the rest and digest. So earlier in the episode, when I talked about the speaker who had said he does, like when he gets anxious before public speaking, he does jumping jacks to like raise his heart rate up to what the anxiety level he's feeling. And then he sits and does breathing techniques to calm himself down after that and like basically catch his breath from it. What he's doing is he's kind of like interrupting the sympathetic response by going, all right, I'm going to get myself up to that level. And then I'm going to calm down. Like I'm going to like do physical activity to get to the, all right, my heart's racing. So I'm going to do physical activity that matches that. And then I'm going to calm myself down. And it's like the progressive relaxation that Will was talking about with the tensing and relaxing. It's the same kind of concept. And what it does is it goes, hey, sympathetic, we got that release. Those jumping jacks that he's doing gives that release. And then now we're doing the breathing techniques to trigger that parasympathetic response so he gets that calm, relaxing. And then he goes into that speaking session, calm, relaxed, knowledgeable. It's just, it really works out for him. He's also in really great shape. So doing jumping jacks is, you know, a good thing for him too, I guess. I should probably start doing some. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's essentially switching his feedback loop. Yeah, he is. That is the active one. And so when you go into a talk and you're calm and you're knowledgeable, you get the feedback there that yeah. keeps you calm. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. So a study at Harvard even showed growth in the brain, like actual physiological, physical changes. So when you do this, when you meditate, it showed growth in the hippocampus, which is the area of the brain that regulates emotion. And it showed reduced volume in, surprise, surprise, the amygdala. Nice. So guys, now we're going to talk about what to do when you're stressed. We've talked about understanding your stress. We've talked about how to prepare yourself. 
for the stressful moment. Now you're in it. We're going to talk about what to do when that happens. Yeah. And the first thing is to breathe. Use breathing techniques to take back control. So you essentially here are interrupting the feedback loop that increases stress by forcing your body to behave as if it were not stressed. Mm -hmm. Deep breathing is basically the opposite of what your body is expecting when the sympathetic nervous system is active. Since that sympathetic nervous system is preparing you for quick, shallow breaths, like for the running or the fighting, the just it's preparing you for that ramped up side and then consciously taking deep breaths. Like you, you know, you've, you've labeled your emotions, you know, what's going on. You've been doing your meditation. You've prepared, you know how to do deep breathing because you've been doing it for months or years, even at this point. So you consciously start just like default into that those breathing exercises and consciously taking deep breaths, you want to involve your diaphragm. So basically breathe so deep that your abdomen rises and falls. And this is going to stimulate that parasympathetic response. Just like, you know, I was talking about the speaker. He does the jumping jacks to ramp himself up. And then he does the breathing techniques to stimulate the parasympathetic response. The other thing I think that's valuable here is that it actually focuses you on something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, that can't be discounted either. It, it really does. It really does. The next thing you want to do is reset your focus. So just like Will said, it focuses you on something else. You want to reset your focus on solutions and try not to catastrophize or focus on the worst possible situation. Right. So instead of focusing on the problem that's causing the stress, look to the solution to that problem. You know, whether that's working overtime, asking for help when you are in over your head or if you're stuck or even finding a new job. Right. There's always some kind of solution that will present itself if you're open to look for the solution. If you're open to look for a problem, the problem will present itself. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the first solution you see is like not very good at all because I do this. I will. I'll go, all right, this is really stressful. I don't like what's going on. Well, I could just leave. That's the first thing that pops in. I'm like, I just walk away. I've walked away from lots of things. I think of that song Shameless from Garth Brooks. Yeah, I could walk away from anyone I ever met, but I can't walk away from you. I think of that. I'm like, all right, well, I could just walk away. That is almost never the appropriate solution. However, that's a solution. And once I get a solution, I'm like, all right, last ditch effort. I can walk away. Problem solved. Let's look for the next solution. What's the next one? What's a better solution than this? Because at that point, you're not trying to find a solution. You're optimizing. You're refactoring. Right. And that's a lot easier to do. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, because I do something similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier to go, all right, I've got a solution. Now let's refactor that solution to make it better. Yeah. And I start with something that's laughably ridiculous is usually like the approach I do where it's like, okay, this is so stupid that I, you know, I would never do this. And it's not even a reasonable answer, not quite like walk away, but just burn the server room down or something. And, and then you, <laughs> and then you work backward from there to something that you can actually live with. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you've seen me do this. I'll throw stuff out. And you're oh, like, you will. I know. And it, it throws me <laughs> off because my response is 
all right, I can just like, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I can just walk away. I can, I can find another job. I have changed industry so many times already. Changing it again won't bother me. I can walk away. And then I'm like, all right, so what's a better way to deal with it than walking away? I've got my last ditch effort. What's like, how do I refine this? How do I make it better? And that's what you do. Now, I said at the beginning of this, don't catastrophize. Realistically, looking at the worst case scenario can help you to put the stressful situation into perspective. Yeah, and you got to understand that there's going to be stuff that you can't control. I mean, like your boss, coworkers, or even the traffic into work on the morning of an important meeting. Of course, that's not a problem anymore. <laughs> um, you probably, at this point, you probably would like some traffic. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> probably miss, you know, the red taillights at this point. No, no. I don't either. But, I mean, somebody out there does and, you know, belongs in a mental institution for it. But there's... There's always that one guy. But, you know, the thing is, is you focus on what you can control. So if you know you have an important meeting in the morning, you know, go to bed early, set your alarm to go off well before you need to get up. And you have to go into the office. You leave with more than enough time to get there. In other words, you just set yourself up for success. Yeah, you put yourself into the pit of success. So when stressors come randomly or unexpectedly, like a sudden issue in production that halts everything. Start off with finding the things you can do to mitigate the situation and then look at the more difficult or what seem impossible tasks. I'm reminded of an issue that I saw one time with a security vulnerability where if a certain error happened, like. Most of the time, errors were caught and handled, but there was a specific type of error that was bubbling all the way up to the UI and being shown to the user. So it's like, all right, hey, guys, we got an issue. We got to fix this, like, stop stuff, work on this now. And someone came up with, hey, it looks like custom errors are turned off. Let's turn that on. Boom. We're not bubbling that error up. We're not logging it. We're not handling it, but it's not a security risk anymore. We handled the big thing. Now we got to figure out the more difficult stuff of, all right, how do we handle this error? How do we log it? How do we do that? You know? And so it was the first thing. And this was a senior developer that I was working with was the one who said, hey, let's do this. That stops the security issue. That's our big concern here. Now we've got time to figure out the other stuff. Yeah. And this is where I like I got, you know, in the development world, I got some of this from you and I got some of this from this situation. But this is where I got the all right, look at what you can fix. You know, start there and then go forward. Okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about here is related to one of the first things we talked about in understanding your stress. We talked about labeling your emotions. Now that you've labeled them, you've prepared yourself for the situation, you've done the things that calm you down, it's time to re-label your emotions. Yeah, there's a researcher at the National Institute of Mental Health, that's NIM, 
not as in the secret of. Esther Sternberg, who recommends renaming the emotions to change the connotation from negative to positive. Yeah. So, for instance, in this method, fear would become anticipation. Worry would instead be concern. Dread is seen as caution. Flustered is another way of saying that you're excited. And alarmed is just a cautious curiosity. And I actually talk about this in my book on whiteboard interviews. Yeah. You know, specifically for this reason, because people freak out and it's like, well, you're freaked out for these reasons. Change the way you're looking at your fear first. And then the other stuff is easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By renaming your emotions, you, again, take control. By labeling them, that is one way of con- of taking control. Renaming them, relabeling them. You're not just saying, hey, I know what you are. You're saying, hey, I know what you are. And I'm saying you're not that you are this. Right. You are saying, no, I am not going to be fearful. I'm going to be anticipating. You're saying, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to have concern. I'm not going to be dreadful. I'm going to have some caution. You know, this really takes some practice, guys. Like it's, this is not easy to do. This is why it's the last thing we're talking about here is because this is like, this is high level stuff. This is like, all right, you got the, all the other stuff. Now you're really, you know, top notch at it. This takes work. And at first it really feels like you're tricking yourself. It does. Yeah. It's like what a politician would say. Yeah. (laughs) Or like Rodney Dangerfield talking into the mirror. (laughs) Everybody loves you. Successful. Yeah. It's like that. It sounds like that, but you know, the fact is, honestly, what are those emotions? Because honestly, I don't know that you're necessarily relabeling anything. I think you are dismislabeling yeah. in a lot of respects. Because the modern world, like, you're not going to get eaten by a bear, mm-hmm. more than likely. Yeah, and the thing with this is what you're doing is you're relabeling and you're changing the meaning of it. So it's not such a bad thing. It's something that you can deal with. And it just, it takes practice. That's what I want you guys to know is like, you might do this and you're like, well, that didn't work. That was dumb. Yeah, no, this, this one takes some effort. It takes like doing it and doing it and doing it. It feels silly at first, but you do it and you do it and you do it. And the next thing you know, you're like, Hey, that worked. Hey, that really worked. Wow. I can just go in there and just like, yeah, it's amazing what happens when you really put in the effort to make this work because it becomes second nature and then you don't even think about it. And then you become one of those people who others are looking at and going, yeah, they just have this natural ability to not deal, like not have stress. Like they're, they're one of the elite and it's like, no, you put in the effort. You worked hard for it. Yeah. I would argue that, they do have that natural ability because that's everybody's birthright. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you've forgotten. Stress can be motivating or debilitating. You know, some people naturally thrive under pressure and they wait until the last possible minute to get their work done because they enjoy the challenge. We don't know any people like that. Others have learned how to work under the strain because they have found themselves in that situation and they have a desire to succeed or they take on more than they can handle and either have to fail or learn to be successful under stress. No matter the reason, there will be times that you find yourself in a stressful situation. 
use these techniques to not only survive the situation, but to be ready for it when it comes. And you will be able to thrive even in a stressful environment. So guys, we want to shout out and thank Lucas from Level Up Financial Planning for sponsoring this week's episode. It's really awesome that he makes it possible for us to do what we do. He is helping us achieve our podcasting goals, just like he will help you achieve your financial goals. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, it's not exactly tech and it's not exactly new. It's actually, I think from Seneca, there's the concept of practicing poverty. It's basically the idea of, okay, I'm afraid of this thing. How do I see how bad it is? So for instance, if you're afraid of going broke, what does that look like? Can you eat on, you know, $5 a day, for instance, and go try to do that. A lot of times what you'll find is that things are not as bad as you've got them in your mind that they are. And so when you practice this, this is another way to kind of get ahead of the stress response because part of the deal is you're projecting difficulty onto something that isn't really there. And so if you try to live in a situation that you just think you couldn't possibly stand, a lot of times you'll find that it's really not that bad. So I just want to throw that out there as something to try out. And that's pretty much all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.